Alright guys, a lot like the uh, Bloody Mary backboards we did a couple weeks ago on a weekend, uh, I'm using the camera that I use for streaming in my office and I'm using its microphone, so if I have any uh, audio problems, if you're not hearing me, let me know, I can speak up or turn the gain up or something like that, but I think we're in uh, good shape based on last performance, I want to welcome everybody to my back porch. Um, just hanging out today. This is uh, the day that I generally take off under the new schedule. Some updates about that today. It'll still be a pretty free day for me, but we might change up one thing or another because working less has had me working more, and that's not good. Um, but we have the kids for a half day on Friday. So my wife takes them right about now, and then usually she has a wife errand or two that she runs, and if we're not going straight out to eat, uh, I don't go with her, so I don't have to go to wife errands, which usually involve things like making fingernails pretty or something like that. So, uh, and then I can, I can, you know, fall back on my, my busted ankle as to not go into stores and stuff like that right now. Um, so I, I get to stay home and I figure why not hang out with you guys? I am going fishing on Monday, uh, with a friend named Buddy who won a fishing trip with me on the barter blanket like a year ago and he's finally cashing it in. So I won't be doing a live show or a new show on Monday. It'll probably be a rewind, unless I get something done for you Sunday. So I figured, like, that's just too many days with nothing happening. So I figured we'd hang out today. I got some stuff that I want to talk about. And if you are I, – I went over there and made comments for you. But if you're on Odyssey or Float, great. I understand hating YouTube. I hate YouTube, too. Hi, YouTube. I hate you. Uh, but it is the easiest thing to stream on for me right now. And StreamYard works where I see your comments from YouTube aggregated into my StreamYard control panel. So if you want to make a comment for me, even if you're already, um, I'm already down two thumbs from Bye Bye Land. That's nice. Hi, haters. Right? <laughs> Hi, haters. I love you guys. You're great. If you don't have haters, you're not accomplishing anything. More of your hate. I feed upon your tears. Today's tea is called the Tears of the Haters. And uh, this is one of my favorite coffee cups. Thank you, Teresa, as always, for your clever gifts. Anyway, um, more thumbs down. I, I feed on them. A anyway, um, I, I can't see your comments from uh, Odyssey or Float. Love the alternative platforms, but to keep these easy, uh, I'm just going to respond to uh, comments on YouTube. So you can come over to YouTube, make your comments, and go back over to Float or Odyssey if you want to. And hopefully... Uh, those guys will get to where uh, they're streaming in a way that they can interface where we'll be able to just aggregate all the comments together. That would be cool. Anyway, right out of the gate, I want to let you guys know this may become what Miyagi Mornings is. Instead of doing multiples every week, the idea was to do more but not have to work as hard. And I'm like doing more and working a lot harder. And I love this format, and I can't do this year-round out here on the porch because if I did this in August, you know, just a month ago or July or June, by the time we got, like, five minutes into this, I would just look like, you know, the, the guy that right before his face exploded in uh, Indiana Jones, right? Um, so I may 
for a while start doing Miyagi mornings as more like a 30, 40, 50 minute ish live stream on Fridays and then just spin that audio into uh, a podcast as I've been doing for those that can't catch the stream or the video or just prefer the podcast format, which most of my audience I think does prefer the podcast format because, well, I built a podcast, not a YouTube channel. So I may do that. I'm not sure. I can cover a lot of different things this way and I can do it like when my wife leaves to go get the kids, I've got like 45 minutes where I'm alone and free and it's early in the morning and I can sit here and drink my coffee or my tea with you and I can do this and I can still have that whole Friday uh, to spend with my uh, my grandkids and my wife and, and it'll make my Thursdays really easy and short too uh, with the expert counsel. So that might happen. I'm not officially announcing it, but I talked about it with my wife and um, with a lot of things that have been going on lately causing a lot of stress, uh, the workload doesn't help. I'll still be cranking out five shows a week, which how many people actually even do that in this world? Um, and uh, so that's as much work as everybody else does. So that, that seems like enough. Uh, next up, I've got an announcement for next week. Like I said, Tuesday or Monday, I won't be here. I don't know exactly what you're going to get for a show yet. But on Tuesday, I do know what you're going to get. And we should be live streaming it as well. I've been talking with uh, uh, this gentleman's uh, booking person. And I think it's going to work out to where we can live stream. Ron Paul, Dr. Ron Paul, is coming to the Survival Podcast. Again, I hope to have him on a live stream. Um, Chris over there said, hey, I just want you to know, Dr. Paul uh, likes what you do and all he's happy to come on, but he doesn't know a lot about survival. And I'm like, you know, we, we talk about self-sufficiency, self-reliance, independence, and liberty. And those second two, uh, I, I can't think of a better guest to discuss that with. Uh, obviously, somebody like Ron, his time is limited, so we'll probably only have about 30 minutes to do the interview. Uh, but that should be a fantastic uh, discussion. And that's that's a big thing for me, guys, because I have to tell you that Ron Paul is one of the one of the reasons that TSPC exists. I mean, I don't know there'd be a survival podcast without him. Uh, maybe there would. Maybe there would. I'm not sure. But I know it was part of my influence. Uh, there's a lot of things the guy says that I think is just like moon bat shit crazy, but uh, Glenn Beck was an influencer on the early days of TSP, and it was because he just talked about preparedness a little bit on the radio. And I'm like, that's the first really interesting thing I've heard on the radio. Somebody should do that. And uh, Ron Paul was like for many uh, people out there in the libertarian, anarcho, voluntary space, like that was my on ramp. That was my like, oh, there is another choice. So I, I am uh, I'm going to get to interview a mentor uh, that I've never met in real life. You know, and I think that's that's a that's a big thing when you're in this business. Um, I actually got to meet several times Jeff Lawton, but it's kind of that same thing. Jeff Lawton is one of those people that was a mentor without knowing they were a mentor. And uh, fortunately, Jeff and I have become uh, good friends. I don't know if that'll happen with Ron, but uh, I am I'm really excited that he's going to be on. I got a few other things I want to talk about, and then we'll just like chat back and forth with the audience here. Um, I want to comment on this thing that I saw floating around social media about Joe Biden uh, wanting to do uh, the, the you know, latest thing that the potato salad in chief wants to do that's outraging people is he wants to, uh, if you are in the military and you refuse the vaccine and you get discharged and put out of service for refusing the vaccine, he doesn't want you to go with an honorable discharge. He wants you to go with a dishonorable discharge. And, of course, people are really upset about this and really emotional about this. Now, if it's true, I'm, I'd be pretty upset about it as well. Like, this is not what these people deserve. 
by any stretch of the imagination. And that is a, it's a black tar mark that will follow you for the rest of your life and seriously hinder your ability. It's, it's on par with like, in, in many instances, it'll be on par with having like a felony conviction. Now, it's not going to prevent you from voting. I don't think anyway. Uh, it's not going to put you on probation or anything like that. I don't mean it that way. It's not going to mean that if you get arrested for something, you're treated more harshly like a second offense. But when it comes to getting jobs and things like that, it's, it's, it's a very, very dark mark on your background. But it's why I don't think that's, I, I don't think that's actually what's being talked about here. It doesn't make it okay. Don't get me wrong. But I do want to like, I think that there are a lot of civilians that never served in the military that throw around a lot of military terminology and everything from weaponry to military justice uh, under UCMJ, and they think they know a thing, and they don't know what a thing means. So I think what most people think an un a dishonorable discharge is, you go in the military and for some reason you get kicked out, and if they kick you out, you get, you know, other than like a medical, you get like honorable, medical, dishonorable. That's like your choices. That's not even close to how many forms of discharge there are. There's no, there's what's known as an honorable, which is what most people get. I mean, it's basically you completed your service obligation and you say, I don't want to reenlist or I'm done, I'm retiring, whatever. And they say, see ya. And you get an honorable discharge. Um, in many instances, you don't even get that honorable discharge officially right away because if you serve less than eight years, you will continue to serve as part of the IRR or individual ready reserves, which means you can be called back. So anybody that goes in the military, you join for two years, three years, four years, six years, you're really joining for eight. But like your term ends, you leave, you get your DD-214, but your official honorable discharge, a uh, little certificate and everything that makes you feel special, you'll get that at eight years if you ask for it, if you go through IRR. Uh, also, everybody that re-enlists, gets an honorable discharge and then reenlists. It, it's it's not a real thing, but you get one. It's it's kind of interesting. It's a weird thing I've never understood. But I've seen people that, you know, like they just reenlisted and then like two months later, back when I was in service, they they get their honorable discharge from their first term of service. I don't know why they do that. But the other ways that you can be discharged is a general. That just basically a general discharge means, yeah, we threw you out, but there's no real black tar mark on you. And then there's a medical discharge, and I'm probably missing some, and there's probably new ones since I left. Uh, there's also what's known as other than honorable. Other than honorable is a pretty nasty thing, but it's not a dishonorable. The worst way you can leave is under a dishonorable discharge. And let me give you an example of things where I saw people go out during my service where they got thrown out and they got a general discharge. Guy gets on dope. And I mean serious dope, not not pot, like cocaine, which down in Panama in the early 90s, what I'm talking about, would have been crack. And I was in an aviation unit, so we got piss tested like every two to three weeks. Now, they didn't do the whole company, but they'd randomly select numbers to keep you on your toes. Because when you're working on helicopters, flying helicopters and stuff like that, you know, and doing some crack, that's kind of a problem. So there, there was a small contingent of this company that actually kind of all together got on crack cocaine and of course sooner or later they're going to get caught and they did and the first thing that you would do if you were one of those people is say well i have a problem i need medical treatment that keeps you from being thrown out right away and they would get into a program and then they would be you know consistently piss tested maybe once a week and an addict is an addict and an addict is going to addict right so 
uh, without sufficient supervision, they would end up reoffending and reoffending and reoffending to the point where they a BCD bad conduct discharge would be another one, right? So then they would get thrown out on a general or a BCD. That would be another one. Um, there's lots of codes for this, but a dishonorable would generally mean something like you committed an act like an action within the military that would be considered equivalent to like a, a significant felony to the point where you got tried under courts martial and sent to military prison and I'm talk I'm not talking getting thrown in the brig overnight for a DUI like that's not what I'm ta- I'm talking about like you legitimately committed an, a significant crime again a crime that would be equivalent to a felony in, in, in a in a civilian jurisdiction and often is a felony in a civilian jurisdiction. And you can be like the double jeopardy thing does not apply. You can be tried under UCMJ and you can be tried under civilian courts. You can be convicted in both. Usually it's not done, but it can be done. Uh, but what happens with a dishonorable, usually that person serves you know six months, a year, several years, 10 years, whatever, uh, in, say, Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, and you're not discharged while you're serving your time in a military prison. And at the end of that term, you get thrown out. You get thrown out uh, of military prison and out of the military, and you get a dishonorable discharge. So I think the Pesada Salad in Chief is, is mumbling words and meaning we want to fuck things up for these people when they get out because anything less than honorable, so general, bad conduct, Pattern of this behavior, I think, is another one that can, it can, can be used as a terminology for this. Like anything that's not honorable or medical, because medical is honorable. It's for medical reasons, so it's honorable. Fucks up things like you want to go to work in a, 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 any sort of government employer or government contractor. Like a lot of your options for employment outside of the military are dead or almost dead. And then, like, you, you'll lose things like your GI Bill, your Army College Fund, all of that shit, any of your benefits, your ability to get a VA loan, a lot of things like that can be compromised just by being anything other than honorable. So I think what they're trying to do is scare them. And if they actually do dishonorable for this, I think there's going to be a lawsuit no matter what if they push this. But if they do dishonorable for this, it is a slam dunk like, you know, Jeff Slachter, Brian Longcar, ambulance chasing lawyer, like, Class action, biggest class action lawsuit you've ever seen. So I, I think that's being mischaracterized. Um, it doesn't make it any less bad. It just means that people throw around words they don't understand. And I think it's important when we're throwing around words that we actually understand them. I don't think Joe Biden understands the words that come out of his mouth on a daily basis, let alone what I just explained to you. Uh, next up, I, I, I'm throwing out kind of a, a thought here on this that I think that we are long past compliance on any of this shit as far as the, this pandemic crap with the COVIDs, right? Um, and I'm going to use Texas as an example of what I really think happened here. People think that Greg Abbott was kind of like Ron DeSantis light, like he was almost there and it wasn't that bad. And then, you know, he kind of came across the Rubicon and figured out, hey, we're going to do this. That's not what I think really happened in Texas. I think... Abbott is kind of a douchebag, but he is a guy that when I, he says, I'll follow the Constitution of the state of Texas, will do so. Uh, so at least he got that out of him. And I think he went as heavy with restrictions as he could based on guidance and understanding of what was constitutional. 
not what he could get away with under the Constitution, but what was actually constitutional. And it was pretty severe. And most Texans were like, that's a cute little restriction you have there. Be ashamed if somebody violated it. That's a cute little mandate you got there. Don't think it applies to me. And very, very quickly, even in like the cities and all, not just in the rural areas, people just went to stores and didn't wear masks. And the way people handled it was pretty simple. Would you like a mask, sir? No, I, I already have one. I don't feel the need to wear it right now. Well, then you can't be here. Are you making me leave your store? And they either said yes, and then people left because now you're trespassing, right? Or they said, well, no, what we need you to, and then you just walked away and ignored them. And people did do the mask thing at the restaurants because I think they felt like, I don't want this place to get shut down. So if I got to put, you know, walk to the door without the mask, put the mask on, walk to the table with the mask, take the mask off, I'll do that. But other than that, people just didn't do it. And it, 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 there was, you know, the big hubbub about the girl in Dallas that opened her beauty salon and all. But right when that happened was when instead of everybody doing press conferences and shit, people just said, you know what, I'm opening my, I'm opening my fucking business. I'm just doing it. And they did. And everybody just kind of went on with their life. And I think then when you do that, and, and if you guys pay attention, there were a lot of like sheriff's departments and not just sheriffs, right? Because you expect it from a sheriff, but there were like Houston PD and all. And these Houston PD is about, you know, run the chiefs down there are liberal. It's crap. But they were like, we don't have time to enforce this shit. We're not doing this. So what ended when you ended up with is mandates that nobody would enforce um, and nobody would obey. And then the government gets this idea. You know what we should do? We should lift the mandates because we've done them long enough so that it looks like it was our idea. And I think that's kind of the textbook for most places. And either you live in a place where there's enough people that think this way that you can get it going, or I'm going to say it again, you need to fucking move, right? Like COVID, I, I did a meme recently. It was the Joker, you know, from the Batman movies, like the good Joker, not the freaking Jack Nicholson one. Uh, I don't know if it was the Heath Ledger one or the, the, the other guy that played the Joker, but it was, you know, a good, scary-ass Joker. And I said, and it, you know, have the Joker saying the thing about COVID is it makes people show you who they really are. And I think that's true at an individual level. Like there's family members. I'm like, I didn't know you were so stupid. And then there's family members like, I didn't know you were so independent. I'm, I'm proud of you. But in mass, it's shown the states for what they are. And if you've ever wondered if your state really believes in liberty at all, now you know. And so you can either get something going there or you need to leave. You need to leave because your time, your talent, your money and your presence is not is not it's not deserved by the location that you're in. And we need to start realizing that about the only thing we have left that gives us any power in this republic is that it's a republic and that we have 50 states that we have a choice. And there's no, and I, that's why I started walking to freedom. How many years ago? Like six years, seven years ago. There's nothing that gets a government entity's attention like a taxpayer leaving. And I think it's, you know, we need to get to basically abolishment via noncompliance. And if you live in a place where you really can't do that, you need to go somewhere else. And I know that people have pride and they won't make me leave and whatever, but. I don't know. It makes me think of Yellowstone. If any of y'all have watched the uh, the thing Yellowstone, 
or he has the giant ranch the size of Rhode Island and they want to buy a piece right in the middle and put an airport in it. It's going to mess everything up and it's a seventh generation ranch and we got to keep it because, and the kids are like a freaking disaster. And he knows like, even if I win this fight, like the kids are going to freaking fuck it up and lose it anyway. And so, and the company that's fighting to get the land, right? Doesn't really want to have to fight. So they come in and they're like, we'll give you $500 million for it. And my response to that would have been, where do I sign? Oh, you're just surrendering. No, like the guy doesn't have any real money. He has land, but he doesn't have, he's not, if you watch the show, he's not super rich or anything. 500 million, you may have a billion dollars. I go have ranches wherever the fuck I want to. Like, and I think that we need to have a little bit of that attitude in us with some of this. Like, what are you defending if you're defending a place where all of your neighbors already surrendered? There's actually places where we haven't. So abolishment via noncompliance and abolishment via movement to the places that refuse to comply, I think is where we're at with this now. Uh, wanted to give you guys an ankle update, right? So we got the ankle, got the brace on it. Um, much better, still weak, right? So it hurts a little bit, but if I try to put any weight on the ball of the foot, so if this is the foot and you're up on the ball here, um, it just doesn't hold. It just, there's not enough in the tendon right now to hold, but it's recovering well. That'll go well. I've had a lot of people asking about it, wishing me well, saying they're sending me healing energy or whatever. All you hippies are sending me healing energy. Cool, man. Send the hip, hippie energy toward me. I'll take whatever I can get. I'm happy to have it. Remember, I do call myself, as I sit here drinking herbal tea made with herbs I grew on my, I'm mocking hippies. Sitting here drinking herbal tea with herbs that I grew with an aquaponic system on my property while farming ducks. I'm a, I guess I'm about an aging hippie if there ever will. I'm a short-haired, productive, non-drainbow hippie. So send me the hippie energy. Uh, I will take the hippie energy. Light incense, whatever. But I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be all right. Uh, where did I get my mug? Somebody's asking in the show notes. And my mug, for those that listen to the audio later on, says, I am not responsible for what my face does when you talk. Teresa Croft, and if, if those of you who have been to the workshops know Teresa is uh, one of the foul-mouthed members of the kitchen staff. Uh, Michael Croft's wife, good friend of our family, uh, gave that to me. Um, it fits well. We have a kind of a T-shirt stunt plan that involves Yellowstone, of all things, um, for the workshop this year. Reminder! Workshop tickets go on sale when? Tomorrow, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. And the way you get to uh, get to the workshop and get the link so you can sign up for the workshop is do what? Be on the TSPC Telegram group or channel. Either way will work. At 9, I will go Control-V. Boom, the link will go in there and blam, it will go up. And if you show up at about 10 minutes after 9, I don't think you're coming. If you get really lucky and you're on the standby list and enough people cancel, which probably isn't going to happen, maybe you get to come. But I, I really think the workshop will be gone in 10 minutes this year. I have never seen so much background chatter about it before. And last year was freaking crazy. Absolutely nuts. So, um it's going to go fast. It's tomorrow. Set an alarm. Set two alarms. Like if you tell me your dog ate your alarm clock, I'm not. I, nothing I can do. Every year, I have in the group or your announcement channel. Jake's asking. It does. It's the same. You'll get it in both of them. 
Um, now, there is a TSPC alumni group, and certain back-channel things happen there. I'll leave that. Like, you don't get in the alumni group until you get to an event or to you at least pay for a deposit to come to an event. Then we assume you're coming, and then you get in the super-secret club. And the first rule about the super-secret club is other than when I tell you it exists, we don't talk about it. So uh, that's if you're asking that, Jake, it will whatever I promised would happen there will happen there. Doesn't matter, Jake. You're coming anyway. You're in. You're golden because you're an instructor. I let all the instructors uh, go ahead and pay their deposit and get their tickets because if you're an instructor and you don't get a ticket, you can't come. So that's how it's going to work. But no matter what you're in, you'll be good. Um, what are the episodes that you've done about starting your own podcast? Yeah, I bet putting podcast in the search menu would be hard. I'm going to have to look that up. I, I can't do that right now. Um, let me get through my uh, bullet points here. Uh, Bitcoin. Jake asked a question. Jake's always asking freaking questions. I'm going to answer it anyway, even though it's Jake. He asked a question over on the blog when I posted I'd be doing this, and he said, do you think Bitcoin will fall through the $40,000 threshold during these pullbacks that are going on right now? Maybe. I don't know. I don't care. I think anything around 40, 39, 40, 45, you know, 40,500 is all like good buying zones. It could go lower. It could go higher. Who the hell knows? Um, the I would say right now, based on the chain analytics that I've looked at and what's called the stock to flow ratio and all, like the absolute floor for Bitcoin, like the fair value is around 38.5. And then so everything above 38.5 right now is speculation. People buying because they expect the price to go up. Uh, that's kind of like looking at a stock and based on its earnings and, and, and things and saying, what is the fair market value of the stock? Um, and that's, that's again, based on what's called stock to flow. So stock to flow is, well, how much Bitcoin is there and how much new stock is coming in and how much is flowing out? And when you look at that as a straight baseline without the other trading characteristics, you end up somewhere in the 38, 39, 37, 5, somewhere in that range. That, so that should be right now unless something goes Completely sideways, you know, out the door, crazy with some new regulation FUD or something should be the floor for it, period. Um, but that doesn't mean we'll get there. We generally stay well above the floor. Like that number was that number when it was $47,000 last week. That number actually hadn't changed much. That number is actually really stable, and it comes up, and then you have your your speculation up and down out in front of it is, is how that tends to work. Uh, next up, uh, Jake also, because Jake likes to ask questions, and I don't know why I'm letting him ask more than one here, um, but he asked about supply chain disruptions. Is there anything we should specifically grab and buy and have and whatever other than our basics? Uh, I don't know. Take your pick. I would say if you know you're going to need it in the next six months and it's available now and it's affordable now and it's not something that will go bad, get it now. If you don't think you're going to need it, don't. I see what's happening being exactly what I said was going to happen. So when plywood was like the dear Lord's fortune and all, I said, it'll go away. And it did. And it's not, it never, and it would understand what I mean here. It's not going to go back to what it was before. It's not transitory, right? It's not going to go back to what it was before, but the giant spikes go away. So what I said would happen is it would move through the supply. It would be different things at different times. So now it's PVC pipe, right? Um, it's also 
The one that seems to be sticking around is roofing materials. Like everything to do with roofing, it's, it's, it's really heavily backward and there's crazy shit going on in California right now. The cargo ships are sitting there waiting to pull into port and I'm not getting good explanations as to why, right? There's backlog. Well, bring the shit in and get it. Um, I believe it has some to do with like labor availability of like, longshoremen and, 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 and trucking and all of that stuff as well. Um, you know, it turns out when you pay people not to work, they don't work. And when you tell people they won't get kicked out of their homes, if they don't pay their mortgage, they don't need to work. And so we have a, 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 a problem now that's not a supply problem in of itself. There is some supply shortage, but most of the shortage is logistical in nature. And when you get logistical shortages, Instead of having like everything go in short supply and the cost go up and everything rectify at the same time as, as the supply lines get cleaned up and new production comes online, what you get is this spiky, crazy shit of whatever's clogged up in whatever side pipe at any given time because it's a logistical problem. And that seems like it's less of a problem, but it's actually more of a problem. Because if you just have a supply shortage, then what happens? Market's market, and everybody that can make it starts making it until there's a glut, and then the price crashes, right? When you have a logistical problem, you have to unclog the pipe, right? And if you have too much, it doesn't matter. You get a flood, right? You, you flood out the bathroom if you clog the pipe. You'll never recharge the downstream septic unless you unclog the pipe, and that's what we have right now is a series of clogged pipes. Um, oh, and the last thing I want to talk about before I start um, – getting you guys to give me information to talk about is what I'm calling the hopium audit. Anybody out there heard about the hopium audit? If you are on, from what I can tell, just about all the social medias out there, the old ones, the new ones, left, right, and center, you don't hear much about the hopium audit. If you're on Gab, man, Gab is Gab is two things, in my opinion, after playing around with it for a couple of years now. Gab is boomer central, man. Like, there are more boomers, and I'm saying, like, real boomers and, like, pseudo-boomers. Like, people my age, but they act like boomers on Gab. Then any It is the boomers went to Gab, man, and they went there hard. And the other thing that Gab is, is, like, it should be a support group for hopium addicts. But it's like, instead, it's like, it's like, it's like a hopium orgy. Like, they all get together and smoke opium, and they think the orange man's coming back. And Arizona has been doing this audit uh, with the cheerleader, this Wendy, I can't think of her name, uh, little uh, former uh, Air Force officer, she's probably a nice enough lady, that uh, believes the orange man got screwed, and they're auditing Maricopa County and stuff like that, and uh, they're trying to prove that the election was stolen, which, for the record, I believe the election was stolen. I don't disagree with the the, ac- the accusation. I think it's at least probable that the election was stolen. I don't think we'll ever know the truth. And I think you can have all the audits you want and it's not going to matter. But these people believe, they don't just believe that they're going to find out some information and put it out there and damage the current administration and make people question things. No, they believe that literally the election that's almost a year old now is going to be decertified. Joe Biden uh, heels up Harris, all of them are going to go away, and the orange man's going to come back and be reinstalled. And they really believe this. And watching these people is, uh, 
Watching these people is like watching grown-ass adults get with Linus and go into the pumpkin patch and really believe the great pumpkin is coming. And so the preliminary draft released by the people that did the audit that were going to prove the orange man got screwed seems to show that the audit shows that the vote count was mostly correct. I think there'll be other things to say, but they're not legitimate votes or something like that. We'll see. But I think that'll be the new thing that they're going to believe in. And I think these people will be talking about audits and reinstating the orange man in September, October of 2024. And I wonder what kind of mental illness has gotten into the minds of these people. Not that the government's crooked. Not that they lie. Not that they cheat. But that by using the process where they lie and cheat and control you through, you can you can change. Oh, Jake's got a really great point. Now, he said the Orange Man Pumpkin. That's actually why I said Linus and the Great Pumpkin. They're waiting for the Great Pumpkin to rise again, right? Like, it's – and it, this is not really anti-Trump or anything. I know some of you that don't really know me might think that. But – uh If you if you said, Jack, right now, you can have Trump or Biden as president, I would take Trump. And I think if you're not mentally deranged, you would say the same thing. I don't want either of them, but, like, Biden is clearly mentally incompetent at this point. The guy really doesn't know where he is. They're, they're clearly pumping him up with drugs right before he speaks. They're cl- clearly tightly controlling him. You can't have a man controlling... The, the country, I was going to say the greatest country, but that's not even my point, right? The most powerful country that's ever existed, the most powerful military, the most powerful from a standpoint of, of both the hard military power but the soft monetary power. You can't have a situation like we have right now and not have it be incredibly dangerous where you literally have a geriatric dementia patient wandering the hallways of the White House and then being told what to say, but still having the ability at times to say, but this is what I want. Like, this is a dangerous situation that we're in. And so I'm not saying, like, shut up and accept Biden as your president or anything like that, though that's the truth. You, but Joe Biden's your president. If you believe in the legitimacy of government, then your president is Joe Biden. Just like the people that tweaked out and screamed and sat in the streets and shit their pants and hollered, And scream, not my president, not my president. We're in pussy hats, right? Like, Donald Trump's your president. Sorry, bitches. You believe in this system. You participate in this system. You think this system is legitimate. You believe that the authority your government exerts over you is legitimate authority, and you're fine with it as long as they're doing your bidding to other people, then that's your president. So under this system, if it can be gamed, if it can be cheated, if it can happen, then that's the rules you agreed to when you decided to be in that part of the matrix. And that's where you're at now. And you're stuck with him. And he's, he's your president. I'm sorry. Um, my point to these people isn't you're wrong that they cheated in the election, because I think there's ample evidence of cheating in the election. I think when you have a video of people reaching under a desk after the counting stopped for the night, pulling out suitcases and, and feeding ballots into a machine in, in, the, in the dark of night, not knowing it was being done. That's evidence. I think when you have 
literally hundreds of poll workers who were there to observe come forward and say, I saw cheating. You have evidence of cheating. Is that conclusive that there's enough cheating to overturn the election? No. And that's why we can't have any confidence in it, because nobody actually took a serious look at it. And all the courts went, talk to like my granddaughter. Right. That's what the courts did. And basically the court said, well, there's a mechanism for this. It's called the state legislature. And if the state legislature doesn't want to do it, it's not our place to do it. The state legislature went, so is that conspiracy? Is it cowardice? Is it a combination of both? It is what it is. That's your system. And if your system can be manipulated that way, your system will be manipulated that way. Get used to it. And if you are going to start working in this system and you want to use the system to fix the system, you know, I have my opinions about that, but I'll let them go right now. Then you better start working a plan B, not waiting for the great pumpkin to rise again. Because if the great pumpkin rises again, it's going to be 2024. It's not going to be because Wendy Rogers got a million signatures on a freaking petition. It doesn't mean anything. And it's not going to be because of an audit performed by a guy named Cyber Ninja. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. Anyway, I, I went too long on that. So, uh, and Jake, you don't get any more questions answered. You're done. Who who's else has got questions for me? Oh, somebody asked about Stephen Harris. I, I don't like to talk about this unless people ask, and I, and I have to. Stephen Harris is a dick, and that's fine. Stephen Harris was a dick to my people one too many times, being warned one too many times, stop being a dick to my people. Stephen Harris was a dick not just to my audience. Stephen Harris was a dick to an organiz people running an organization that I helped found that he got into and they threw him out because he was disrupted and damaging it. And then he was he shit all over them because they weren't doing things the right way. And I got tired of him shitting on people and said, you don't get to shit on my people anymore. And we don't work together anymore. And that's that was the end of that. I mean, it's not hey, now I'm going to bash you or talk shit about you or anything like that. Just like, I'm not having you talk to my people, my audience, like those people are pieces of shit. You don't get to do that. And I, I spent years trying to correct that behavior and finally gave up and said, you don't get to do this anymore. And to the point of, toward the end, he was sending me segments that were like raving lunatic segments, and I'm like, I'm kicking that back for your own good. And I probably kicked back a good, I'd say, 15, 20 segments that were, they sounded like a man having a psychotic break. And I hate to say this because I, I still consider him a friend, just like I can't let you near my audience. I think COVID pushed him over in that psychotic break. And he seemed to have really, he's saying some things don't make sense anymore. And, and I've actually pleaded with him as a friend, go get some help. Like, go talk to somebody type of help. And uh, he kept raving lunatics. So, actually, I don't communicate with him anymore. I had to block his text messages because I was getting raving, crazy messages from him. And so that's why Stephen Harris isn't part of TSPC. He did a lot of good things for the community. I really wish it could have worked out differently. If he ever actually gets himself in check... So he stops doing things like talking to 16-year-old children, asking a question, trying to help their father as though that person is a stupid fuck for asking the question in the first place. Be happy to have him back. So that's probably the most I've ever said about it. It's the last I'll say about it for a long time. If anybody wants to know, you can direct them here. 
What else do I got? No more Jake questions. Jake, you don't get any more questions. Thoughts on Donna and the MasterCard carbon-based credit card. Voluntary cutoff when you exceed your footprint. No. So I couldn't read. I don't know what that D.O. con, whatever. But MasterCard has a new credit card you can get. And it tells you when you've spent money on things that exceed the safe carbon footprint for you to use. So I guess if you bought a mug with had, with had embodied energy like this, that would be a certain amount of carbon you contributed. But if you fill your gas tank up every week using your MasterCard, that would be, you know, continuous use of carbon. And so at a point that you've spent too much money, MasterCard out of the kindness of their heart will cut off your spending on that card. Um, if you asked me to define virtue signaling in a financial product, that, uh, that, that would be it. That would be it. That is, that is like one of the most virtue signaling, nonsensical crap things I've ever heard in my life. Now, the conspiracy theorists are saying, and I think we need to maybe start realizing like conspiracy theorists, maybe like half of what they say is a conspiracy theory and half of what they say is a spoiler alert, right? So I'm not using that term derogatory, but sometimes conspiracy theory is conspiracy and everything. This is the plan so that in the future, all spending will be controlled this way. I don't put it past them, but I think it's a little bit harder to control than people would think. Um, so uh, that's kind of where I'm there. Uh, Iowa Farm Boy says, I'm thinking of filling out a guest form to talk about homesteading and duck, egg, meat, side business. Any suggestions on making sure it goes best and stays interesting? Fill out the form. That is my suggestion. Fill out the form. The form guides you through how to submit your application to be on the air. Fill out the form. Follow the instructions on the form. Do not submit multiple ideas for a show on a single form. Don't do that. Pick an idea. Submit an idea for a form. I'm talking to somebody in this audience right now. Be very tight. Don't write me a book of presentation. Fill out the form as the form's designed, and odds are you will get on the air. For people that I'm not really familiar with, I may send you a thing like, hey, uh, make a recording of your answer to the first question for me so I can listen to you. So I can make sure that I'm not going to get somebody on the air that's like, well, um, uh, see, well, you know, um, like to make sure that I'm going to get an ongoing, interesting interview. And Jake doesn't get to ask any more questions. So anyway, um, that's how you get on there. Uh, Chuck says, I'm convinced I would love to move to Texas. Why am I wrong? I don't know that you are. But can you take... Three to four months every year of miserable heat. That is the only problem that I have with living in Texas. Um, anything else I can come up with, like our property taxes are high, but our tax footprint overall is pretty low, actually, if you're smart about how you live, right? Like the only problem I have living in Texas is that it is miserable from I would some years it's May, June, July, August, September. Most year it's June, July, August, and part of September. That's that's most years where you just you don't want to be outside. You don't want to um, you don't want to be doing anything other than being in air conditioning. Which by the way is why our, our we have kind of a cold and flu season, you know, uh, in in August. 
Because that's when people really give up and start staying inside more and being close to everybody uh, and, uh, and and what have you. Uh, for those asking questions uh, going forward from here, um, it, would, please use all caps in your questions. It makes it easier for me to find them against the side talk. Uh, Tactical Redneck asks, what would Jack do if Jake submitted a guest form? Jack would follow his guest form procedure, which is people that fill out the guest form properly. Um get a, a, a full evaluation and then they get decided whether they're worth booking or not and they get forwarded for booking to Dorothy. If people do not fill out the guest form as it was designed and pitch multiple things and write a book of shit to me instead of staying tight with their presentation, then their guest form gets deleted. That's what happens. So Jake would get the same rules anybody else does. Um, Jack's just saying it's hot because he's from Pennsylvania. No, I'm not. It's hot. Like, it's hot. Like, when it's this year actually was less hot, and it was still gross. Like, this year, instead of really hot, we got really gross. So we had a lot of days that were 98, 99 degrees, but the humidity in Dallas was like the humidity in Houston, which is like wearing a plastic bag on your face. And I, I don't enjoy doing that. I actually like to breathe oxygen, not water. Um, it's hot. But other than that, and it's not Arizona hot, I'll, and I'll give you that. Um, next up. Uh, 365 Outdoors, who did not follow the all-caps rule, but I will answer it anyway. Jack, have you thought about becoming a Bitcoin miner yourself, possibly with solar? You know, not really, no. It's definitely not with solar. Um, this is an interesting thing where people say, well, if you mine Bitcoin with solar, it's 100% pro No, it's not. Like, energy costs money, right? So what's your ROI timeline on solar, Right. And if that ROI timeline versus buying power from the grid is 10 years, then it's 10 years whether you mine Bitcoin or no matter what. Now, if you're using it, investing, and you're taking the energy and putting it into a speculative asset, right, as that asset appreciates, you might gain over the energy input. However, then you would be far more ahead if you took the money you're going to put into solar today and put it into Bitcoin today. So I'm glad people mine I think mining is for a technically minded person that can figure out how to do it in a way that makes sense for them. I think most of us are better off, um, frankly, just mining. I mean, that's what I think we should be doing. We should be, if we're going to mine, then we mine. And if we're not going to mine, then we buy. And I think that most people will come ahead buying. Most people I know today that are good kind of self-directed miners, uh, a lot of them are still mining. You know, they have a lot of GPU rigs. And they have some A6 as well. But most of the people that I know in real life that mine are not mining Bitcoin directly. And this is something that those of you that want to get into mining can look into. There's a lot of people that want to speculate and they want to mine for, you know, diddly do coin or whatever. And they don't know how to do it. So they go to a site called NiceHash and they buy hashing power from other miners and then they get paid in Bitcoin. So I have, for instance, a, a friend has been to a lot of the workshops and I'll, he'll be here this year again. I am expecting, um, and he mines a lot like that, but he's, he's mining Bitcoin, but he's mining, you know, Zcash or, you know, Zipbob coin or diddly do coin or, you know, whatever coin somebody wants to mine. So you can go to NiceHash and say, I want to buy hashing power. And then basically somebody else mines for you until whatever you paid for that hashing power is used up, but they get paid in Bitcoin. So that's another way to mine. Uh, please do a video on making money on land through blockchain. You talked about it before. I have no idea. 
have a lot of shit land. Well, you're not going to make money on shit land with blockchain. That's not how it works. So the way blockchain might be incorporated to profit from land is that you can fractionally sell land with blockchain. And I don't think we're quite there yet on all the tech and everything being rubbed out and what's legal and what's not legal and what gets you put club fed and what doesn't. But I think there's a lot of opportunity to develop land using blockchains and DAOs. But if your land is shit land, then it's shit land. And developing shit land, you know, you see what I'm saying, right? Like, I mean, I want you to think about because I, w- I was thinking this way and I, I kind of lost my train of thought when I was talking about Bitcoin mining and energy. I recently was listening to, and I, I recommend everybody look this up. It's a series by um, Michael Saylor. It's actually by Robert Breedlove interviewing Michael Saylor. It's called the Saylor Series. And he's talking about the laws of thermodynamics. And he said when he was at MIT, they had a way of paraphrasing the three laws of thermodynamics. And the first one is simply stated is you can't win. You can't win. Right. The second law of thermodynamics is you can't break even. And the third law of thermodynamics is and you can't get out of the game. That's entropy. And so if you have shit land and you want to make money with it, you have to be really creative. And it's going to take more inputs of energy to develop it to a point where it can be profitable. But I was talking about, I think what brought that comment up was, you know, maybe someday we could do something like a perma ethos or something like that. My original idea for it, using this new technology so that I don't go to prison because everybody's always want me to build these communities and shit. And I'm like, it's easy. And people say, well, just do it, man. You're a rebel. Like, okay, you're not the one that's going to freaking Club Fed. And I'm not going to Club Fed. I like my freedom. I'm sorry. And there's certain things that if you do them, you know you're going to Club Fed. But maybe this could be structured in a way where, well, it's not me. You know, I don't have anybody that I control here. Everybody does whatever they want to do. I don't know. But I, I'm thinking, like, the way to do that might be more like kind of like RV park common areas and things like that, like developing those properties to be income streams that then can be used by members at cost or something like that so that it's run for a profit. The profit's through the Dow. I'll talk about more on it in the future, but, I mean, I'm no expert on it. Buddy, who I'm going to see on Monday, he's the reason you guys aren't getting a freaking podcast, said, how's the duck pond from the spring uh, build going? Uh, the pond's doing really well. Uh, recently, I flushed water through it, and then all of the water hyacinths starting to not look so happy, so I need to fill up Duck Mountain with some duck poo water and uh, get some more nutrient back in it. But it's it's worked perfectly. Um, for those who don't know, I put in eight by 16 uh, foot low Miyagi. It's only about 20 inches deep, I'd say, uh, when full, but it has about 100 bullhead catfish in it. What didn't work was crayfish. So I was going to do the self-replicating crayfish as fish food for the catfish. I put those in the fish tank in the house. They didn't even do really that good in there. I think one of them's still alive, and I don't have no babies yet. I got regular plain um, crawfish, big clawed ones, and I put some of them in the crawfish tanks over there, and um, they died. So I don't know if the tank just wasn't ready for them yet. So maybe we'll give another run on crawfish going in the next year. Um, what has grown like crazy over there in the crawfish tanks is goldfish. And that's just removing uh, water hyacinth plants with eggs on them. I have 
like hundreds, if not over a thousand, you know, goldfish about that big in there. So those are great feed for the catfish. So that's worked and it's worked with no effort. So if it works with no effort, uh, given we just said you, you can't win, you can't break even, you can't get out of the game. If life hands you a win, maybe we just take the win. Um, any do do not advice on building a duck house southeast Texas with runners and muscovies? Um, not really. I mean, we have a tough shed for a duck house, and we have a tough shed for a duck house because when we moved in, it was there. It was being used as a goat uh, barn, and um, I'd say you definitely want to make sure you can get airflow through it, and that you can shut that up in the winter. Um, but make sure that it's enough space for your birds, and don't necessarily lock your birds away unless you think you need to for uh, predator protection. We went a long time. They had the house. They could go in it when they wanted to, but they had a holding area. And that worked until we started having some uh, foxes and stuff like that show up. Um, somebody says they love the idea about mining shit coins for Bitcoin. They just got their GPUs out. That's cool. Um, I'm trying to start a fish breeding business. Do you have any tips? Uh, step one, learn to breed fish. Step two, learn to market products because that's really the two steps of a fish breeding business, like making the fish breed and being able to sell the fish that you produce. So, I mean, that's in a nutshell on something like this, what I could say. Um, try to figure out how to breed something that has enough demand that you can sell what you can breed. Like, so first would be a demand analysis. That's what I would do in any business where I'm going to be a producer, a manufacturer. Because if you think about breeding fish, you're a manufacturer. You just have a different way of like, I might manufacture mugs and I have a ceramic thing that makes mugs and paints them and whatever. And you have fish and you put them together and they do what fish do. And then you get baby fishes, right? Um, so if you're going to go into manufacturing, make sure there's a demand for what you're manufacturing and uh, start building the business before you need the business to have a place to send product to. So I would start with content development. Uh, maybe start a YouTube fish channel. Those are really, really popular. Uh, start talking about the projects you're doing. And I would say never try to build a business in fish on fish alone. The thing that you can sell the hell out of that ships easier, that doesn't die when it gets shipped anywhere near as much as plants. And if you're going to have fish habitat, you're going to have plant habitat. And I would look into the plants that do well in tanks that are non-CO2 infused tanks and I would grow those plants in non-CO2 infused tanks so that when you ship them to somebody who has a non-CO2 infused tank, even if it's going to eventually do good, it doesn't all die back first. And I would market that. That's what I would do. That's my short answer on that. Um, I think it would actually be easier to build a business selling plants than fish. One of the most successful fish personalities I know on YouTube, and you can actually look him up on the Survival Podcast, uh, I think his last name is McElroy, but his first name is Corey. And I think if you search TSP for Corey, you would find him pretty easily. He's incredibly successful. He has over a million subscribers. Um, people, like, if I'm, I'm sitting here doing a live stream. I have a podcast with a couple hundred thousand subscribers, and I've got 157 people. Corey does a live stream. He has, like, 5,000 people watching it. You know what he doesn't sell online? Fish. He has a brick-and-mortar store that you can go to where he lives, and I don't remember where it is. Yeah, Aquarium Co-op is the guy. Um, you can go there, and you can buy fish from him. He doesn't ship fish. And he has people asking all the time, well, you can recommend. He's like, I'm not even getting, I'm not getting in bed with anybody else. I'm sure of what they're doing, and he doesn't ship fish. So, but what he ships the hell 
out of. But he ships the hell out of his plants. And he makes a lot, he ships plants, he ships filters, he ships all kinds of product and stuff like that to see if he can ship. And he doesn't ship fish. Because fish, most of the fish are coming into the country. They're going through multiple steps. And by the time they get to a fish store, they need a break. And so he's gone the model of, of that. So if you're going to be in a fish breeding business, you, I, I think you'd want to be in kind of really high end. I mean, there's some real high-end stuff in the world of guppies, of all things, that sell for a lot of money that are hard to get your hands on. I would do something niche and then broaden from there. Um, Do you think, Skull Crusher, do you think we'll ever have enough balls in national politics uh, to actually audit the Fed? No. Nope. Federal Reserve will never be audited. Never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, never. It will never, ever, 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 ever infinity be audited. No one is ever going to audit the Federal Reserve. I love Ron Paul. Like I said, I'm very excited he'll be on the show Tuesday. But Audit the Fed was a great, great campaign to make people aware. Audit the Fed is a meme. So memes are not designed so that you can read a meme and understand a subject completely and have your facts straight. And I've done your research because you saw a meme. Memes are designed to make people go, I wonder if that's true at all, and then open you up to a subject so that then you can become informed through actual research, right? So audit the Fed is like that. Audit the Fed is, well, hey, we should audit the Fed. That that sounds reasonable. It's not end the Fed. That's audit the Fed. Well, the Fed serves the public, so the public should be able to audit the Fed. And then you get in your, your little audit the Fed group, you're like, we're going to audit the Fed. And then eventually you realize the great pumpkin's not coming, Charlie Brown. We're never going to audit the Fed. So then what happens is the person that would have never been open to the concept of end the Fed becomes an end the Fed person, right? That's what audit the Fed is. Audit the Fed was a a, a passive, aggressive, very successful campaign to bring awareness to the fact that the Federal Reserve is not really accountable to anybody and never will be. And there's nothing you can do about it other than make the Fed irrelevant. So I'm not even end the Fed now. I'm like, let's let's not need the Fed. That's what crypto is for, not needing the Fed. And this is why crypto is better than gold and precious metal. We can, in time, form enough alliances with each other to legitimately do commerce under their rules using cryptocurrency. And there's no way to stop it. Can't be done with gold and silver. I'm sorry. All the appeals to gold and silver require banking and government, government, not governance, government, all of them, because gold and silver does not work for transactions between Jake in Tennessee and Jack in Texas. It doesn't. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. If we use a silver certificate of some kind, we need a third party and we need a government. If we use if we make the government use gold, I think which would be a great idea. It wouldn't fix all the problems, it would fix a lot. I think historically what gold really was, the governor of the government, that's what gold was. And that's why every government, when it becomes abusive of its people and extends beyond its intended powers, does away with gold or anything that controls the monetary supply. Because if you're a tyrant, you can't stand to have somebody above you governing and that's what gold was it what what made gold useful for us 
as a monetary system wasn't gold in of itself. It was the properties of gold. The fact that you couldn't really cheat. There was only so much. You could only get so much out of the ground. And especially 200 years ago and back. Today, we can get way more gold out of the ground than we ever could. Because we have ways of doing it that get more out of the ground faster than, than we ever could have. We can move metric shit tons to get a pound of gold now. And we can create incredible environmental damage, by the way, while we're doing it. But at least there was an anchor. There was a point at which you don't have more money. And the whole, well, they just borrow money when they don't have it. It doesn't work with gold, right? Because if you're using gold to back the money, and I want to, like, I am a nation called Jack. And Jake, God forbid, was a nation called Jake. Right. And Jake was the, the, the emperor of Jake land and I was the emperor of Jack land and Jake land needs money. Right. Jake land needs money. I thought somebody has to loan Jake land money. And he goes to Jack land. Will you give me a loan? I'm like, hell no. You're not getting any money from me, Jake land. Why? Cause your books are bad. Right. Cause I can't just like diddly do on a computer, diddly do how to read new Everino. And there you go, Jake. I just loaned you $10 billion. I can't do that. <clears throat> Sorry about that, guys. Needed a drink there. I can't just make money and then give him a loan with money I fabricated, and then we can't play grab ass with each other on the backside, right? And uh, on the back end, we're playing grab ass, and like I'm loaning him money, he's loaning me money, and then we bring in Nicole Land, and she lends us both money, and then I lend her money, and then Jesse M. There, he he does that. Jesse M, I'm going to beat you up, man, just because you came on my radar, dude. We need an efficient crypto. Stop it, boomer. You're, I don't care if you're 10 years old. Right now, you're being a boomer. Um, Bitcoin, or you're being a millennial weirdo trying to save a polar bear. Bitcoin is plenty efficient. It's as every bit as efficient it needs to be. We don't need an efficient crypto. We have over 14,000 cryptos. We don't need anywhere near that many. We probably don't really need more than one. Now, I think we'll have more than one because I think more than one is useful, but we don't need. Bitcoin does everything you need to do. Stop it. Quit being a boomer. Go Quit listening to Peter Schiff or whoever you're listening to. We don't have a non-efficient crypto. I'm sorry. Um, I'm an electronics engineer. Well, then you understand, right? You can't win, you can't break even, and you can't get out of the game, right? And what Bitcoin is doing is basically taking the movement of stored energy out of the gravity well. So how about that for engineering? Go argue with Michael Saylor. You guys can have fun together, engineer to engineer. I'd like to see that. Anyway, like, it works just fine. It's very efficient. It works just fine. Energy has value. And being able to embody and store energy in a way where the representative of that energy can be sent across time and space for pennies on the dollar is as efficient as anything mankind has ever done. And you need to stop believing that it costs $40,000 to send five bucks on the Bitcoin network. It's all absolute total freaking nonsense. I recently did a transaction on Bitcoin uh, for like 96 bucks and it cost me something like nine cents. And it wasn't lightning. Stop buying into the bullshit. Stop buying into the bullshit. Stop buying into the bullshit. Have you ever, this is my last one because we are over an hour and I'm going to call it and uh, take the rest of the day off. And I need to do get the audio out of this and throw it up as a 
podcast because I think it well, went well enough to do so. Um, have you ever experimented with root cellars in Texas? People say we can't have one due to our soil, but plenty of people have pools and buried storm shelters. Okay, I think the entire argument that you can't have a cellar in Texas because of your soil is bullshit. I don't know why it exists, but it's bullshit because most of our damn state from here over anyway um, is black clay. And then if you go far enough over into the east, you get red clay. And I know all kinds of places all over the rest of the damn country that have black clay and red clay and they have cellars. The whole damn Midwest is full of black clay and they have cellars. So, no, there's nothing about our soils that would make it impossible to have a cellar. It's a much drier climate, so it's not a water issue. It's almost like they don't want to build them here. Have I ever experimented with a root cellar in Texas? No, never have. Uh, where I live right now, I never will because... Uh, I would need dynamite uh, and and big excavator jackhammers because I live on a limestone slab. Um, absolutely. Uh, no way, no how, no chance I'm going to do that here. And you're right. We put pools in. Um, what we do have is a lot of movement. And that means we have a lot of foundation issues. And that may be what they're really talking about. And what we have that may be different than some of these places that also have a lot of clay soils, they're either dry climates or the wet climates, right? We're a dry, wet climate. We get lots and lots of rain for a long time, and then we get no rain for a long time. And everybody that's lived down here, you see the big cracks form. And what happens is clay, it's like a sponge. It expands and it contracts, and I think that's what's causing the problem. I don't think you would have any trouble at all building a root cellar in Texas at all. I don't think that what you want to do is build a cellar under a house. And I think that, you know, despite my first comment about this, that there may be some real truth to that, that maybe it's not impossible, but it would require so much additional expense because one of the, the, the biggest um, businesses in this state, foundation repair. You can't listen to talk radio at dry, you know, at, at, at traffic hour driving home from work like I used to years ago without hearing, you know, in a half hour commercials for at least two different companies to do foundation repairs. So now put a cellar down there and the walls start doing that and it's holding up a house. And I think that's, that's what they're talking about. But that would not, that would not, um, in any way preclude having a cellar. You just don't, don't want it supporting a structure. You may end up with some issues, but if we're talking about a root cellar, you'll be fine. Jesse has to keep going on his crypto, says I am. Love decentralizing of crypto. I'm just, I'm not a hater. I just have some concerns. Jesse, do some research. Because I guarantee you, your concerns are things that you think you know that you don't know or things that you believe or things that you don't have answers to. Um, because we've done this. And every time this comes up, it's the same stuff over again. And I, I don't have the energy or time in it for me today. I'm not picking on you either. You just have, you just, I was looking for a name, dude, and I glanced and center of the comment stream was your name. And I was just using a name as an example. And then it was your, it happened to be your crypto commenter. I wouldn't even have noticed it. Don't, don't take it person, uh, per, per, uh, personal. Uh, Tom says pools have outward pressure. Yeah, that's, that's part of it, Tom, but it's a, a different thing, right? B 
building a pool with curved walls and gunite and all, way different than taking like center block or poured concrete and making a square structure, right? And then putting a house. And like, you know, every third house here is, I would say every second house is two story. So now you got a two, and then most of the houses they're building now, F-35s are back. Uh, most of the houses they build now are three stories around here. So we'll let that guy pass. And I got one quick story for you before you, uh, we totally wrap up here about F-35s and something that just happened. It's something I've been really worried about having. Yeah, Jesse, don't think I'm picking on you. Uh, Jesse, uh, one of the people said you should um, join the MeWe crypto group and ask your questions there. You should because collective um, assistance, I think, is, is is very valuable. He's been mining since 2015. Okay. Doesn't matter. Doesn't mean you understand it. Um, when you say efficient, I just, God, that's one of the things me and Harris had in common, man. Efficiency, my efficiency. Like, you can't, you can't, you can't win, you can't break even, and you can't get out of the game. And on that note, entropy is real, and what goes up must come down. And I have been, no, no, not Lackland. They're heading back to Lockheed down at, um, uh, down in Fort Worth, basically, right across Lake Worth. Um, they've been flying these F-35s. When I first moved in, it was F-16s. And then Lockheed down here got the 35 project, and they do maintenance, they do new builds, they do retrofitting and uh, stuff like that, upgrades, and they do training. Like like Air Force pilots actually train uh, out of that little air base uh, attached to that Lockheed facility down there. And this last weekend, uh, an F-35 flying low over um, Lake Worth, which is five miles south of here, maybe seven miles south of here. Uh, for those that have been to the workshop, right at where Telephone Road crosses Jacksboro Highway and 199, um, and that's where the tractor supply and the liquor store and all that are at, um, an F-35 went down. Uh, several homes were damaged. Several people were injured in their homes from pieces of F-35 hitting their house, right? Um, one of the pilots was, uh, the both pilots ejected. One had non-life-threatening injuries, and one had very severe injuries because not only did he get hurt from the ejection as he came down, he came down into freaking power lines, and somehow managed to get electrocuted but not killed on, like, main power lines. Like, so um, they had the military blocking things off, tarped over, obviously pieces and parts of an F-35. Any one of those pieces could contain, like, really sensitive, um, uh, really sensitive uh, information, uh, top secret stuff, who knows what. So they took that really seriously. And it's, it's one of the few things I'm really worried about here with like that weird thing happening. Like, because as you guys hear when I do outside videos, the ceiling these guys use when they come over, these planes are low. Uh, there was a day, and it's not just the F-35s. There was a day I almost got in like a multi-car pileup wreck. I was on 199 Jacksboro Highway heading south, right down where this just happened. And all of a sudden, for no reason, Apparently, all the vehicles locked up, and it was like it was like a, a, a it was I think it was a C-141 
heading into there, and it was really low. And they're up, if you don't know what they are, they're a really big plane, and so they look really low. Like even when if they're like 500 foot up, they look like they're on top of you. And it had to be 10 knots over over stall speed. Like it, it was moving about like they did when we used to jump out of them, right? Like it was about about as low as you could safely keep that as far as speed. And it was directly over uh, this this six lane you know highway that also has uh, traffic lights. And people freaked out. Like, and if that thing comes down, you got a descending bomb. And then it ended up, there were like three of them in a row doing some kind of training thing. So they were like this and they, you know, just moving like they looked like they were moving at the speed of cars uh, over the head of the road. So I've always been worried about that. And it, it finally happened. I guess the good news for me is if it happened once, it probably won't happen again uh, because it's lightning striking twice. So hopefully no planes will drop out of the air and land on my home. With that, guys, I hope you enjoyed today. I enjoyed uh, hanging out with you guys. I think this is going to become a regular Friday morning thing. I'm sitting here. We're at an hour 12. I told my wife, you know, I instead of doing these five Miyagis, four Miyagis a day or a week crap, like I could do this every Friday. And if I start before she leaves, I'm done by the time she gets back with the kids. And if the kids come behind me, be like, hey, kids, and then we go and we're out for the week. So. Um, anyway, as far as a, uh, a week, I, this was a, a hell of a week. Uh, I'm going fishing with buddy on uh Monday. Uh, we're going to try to get Jesse a efficient crypto, <laughs> my God, whatever, dude. And, uh, we're going to roll on with life. How efficient is, uh, is Algorand, by the way, if you just wanted efficiency, but First principles of money, you stick to Bitcoin. And I don't mean that's a first principle of money. I'm saying if you understand the first principles of money, and when you look at crypto, you stick to Bitcoin is the money. And all the other cryptos are technologies. That's all they really are. And so you can build a technology for Bitcoin like Lightning that the the, the service fee is paid in Bitcoin, right? Or you can build a network where it pays for itself with its own native token, but it's still, it's a technology. Bitcoin is money. And I'm not going to get into that today. And we are going to roll out and I appreciate everybody being with me. I'm going to spin this out. Oh, one more. Somebody asked, how do I get the audio out of here? I use StreamYard. Now you could download your YouTube videos. And if you have a conversion program, you can convert to MP3 out of there. Um, StreamYard is a kind of little, you know, unpaid commercial form. When you stream something to YouTube or anywhere with StreamYard, it records a copy. And then in your control panel, you can download the video or an audio file. And then I just have an audio file that I render out onto the podcast. With that, guys, catch you guys next week.